When Shamrock Rovers got one back, tears came to my eyes. And we went two went up and I heard those thousands of Sligo people. I was proud and we went out and won. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. More drama here. Chilali. North. Elding. 3-2. They've been looking for Stenson's head away at the far post. And over it comes Elliot. Stenson! One more. You're very welcome along to episode 30 of the Bitter Red Supporters Trust podcast. And it's another packed show. Um, let me just try and remember what we have to cover. I wrote all this down somewhere. Yes. Uh, <laughs> here it is. So uh, we have we have an interview with Farad and Kudosevic, uh, Faz. And uh, it's really interesting. Uh, he's now coaching in Germany. He's played, you know, as many of you remember, he played obviously with the Rovers, but he played with um, a lot of the top teams uh, in Ireland during his five or six years uh, in the league. So we have a great conversation with him and he talks about his potential uh, return to the League of Ireland. So more on that later. Um, we will look back on the disappointing home game to Drada. Um, uh, we've got your shouts from the shed end and we're going to look ahead to the two upcoming games we're away to Pats and we're away to Derry on uh, Friday and Monday evenings respectively so it's the Bitter Red Supporters Trust podcast with the White Hag um, and we're very grateful for the support that we get from the White Hag Brewing Company so the first thing that I haven't mentioned yet uh, the most pressing topic I guess and we were all glued to um, UEFA.com over the last number of days um, to see who we were going to get drawn against in the uh, qualifying rounds, the first qualifying round of the Europa Conference League. And we were, um, as you'll know, pulled out against the Icelandic side, Hafner Jur. Hafner Jur? Uh, anybody else want to have a go? So I'm joined with uh, joined by Sean Don. Uh, Sean, how are things? Oh, go, Connor. Uh, do you want to give us uh, your pronunciation there? Not at all. <laughs> Jerry O'Connor, how are you? Oh, good, Connor. Give us a go. Come on. HK. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, Magoo, who's got one eye on the Italy Switzerland game, uh, how are you, uh, Magoo? Not a bad, Connor. Do you want to give us a go on your uh, Icelandic? No chance. No, no chance. Bjork, Bjork, Bjork is only Icelandic, I know. Hafner, you're, yeah. Uh, okay, so well, I suppose we'll kick things off there. Um, Sean, um, were you uh, were you reasonably happy with? Uh, with the Icelandic team, or um, I mean, we could have we could have done worse. We could end up with the Polish team, so I suppose it's not the worst the worst draw in the world. No, no, I think that's we were all looking to avoid the Polish team. Um, it's it's not an easy draw by any means. It's going to be a diff, it's going to be a difficult game, but judging by their league form, they're not exactly tearing it up this season. But yeah. by by all accounts, they are a decent side. And uh, they actually have a former League of Ireland player playing for them. That's right. So they have a Scottish lad up top. Wee Stevie Lennon. That's the one. He's at Dundalk, wasn't That's it? That's right, yeah. I presume he's Wee Stevie Lennon. He can't be big Stevie Lennon. Yeah, he's got a big <laughs> goal scoring record, though. Um, yeah. So, um, Jerry, you, you were across um, um, this. Were you, was it the best draw we could have got out of the five teams we were paired against? 
No, definitely not. And in fact, they're actually the the best coefficient of the five uh, teams that we or four teams that we could have got. Yeah. So on paper, it's actually the hardest draw. But obviously, look, uh, the polls would have a lower coefficient because they wouldn't be as regular of a qualifier yeah. for European competition as HK. Uh, like HK has qualified for six, 16 out of the last 17 seasons for, for uh, European football. Yeah, like they are big so, hitters since the turn of yeah. the century or the turn of millennium. They're the main team in Iceland, as far as I can see. Uh, although they're going through a bit of a, a wobble, not a wobble patch, they're mid table, I suppose. Yeah, but that's only six or seven games into their season. So I wouldn't read a whole pile into that yet. Um, look, we said it a million and one times on here that you don't really, uh, you know, you don't really look too much into the lead table until the first round of games are over. Are over. So yeah. I don't know how many rounds, how many games around. There is over there, but it's still only six or seven games. So I take that with a pinch of salt. Um, and what I'd be more looking at is their 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 vast European experience. They've got a couple of internationals in the side as well. Like the, the goalkeepers played something like 67 times for the Faroe Faroe Islands. Islands. Yeah. But so you know what? We, I, I had a look at that across their team. So I, I, what I did notice, and I, this is not a very uh, in-depth analysis of their squad, but yeah. I did have a little dig around. And what I noticed is they have 56 international, 56 Icelandic international caps. Um, they, none of their players, as far as I can see, have played in the recent uh, the World Cup in Russia or the European Championships in, um, where was it before that? Uh, wherever that was held. So they haven't played there, but they do. Like They have some players who've amassed 2015. Uh, you know, they've got some experience. Yeah. There. But they are, it seems that their main players are in their mid uh, or early 30s. So they're, they would, they're, they're an older looking team, you know? Yeah, this, and, and that goes back to that. Look, um, they seem to be very, very, they seem, as I said, look, they seem to be vastly experienced, uh, a lot of international caps, a lot of, of uh, European experience. Uh, you compare that to ourselves, um, you know, you might only have two or three guys that have, have played in Europe. So, yeah. It's going to be a steep learning curve, and uh, you know it's it's it's, it's a, we're going to be a really tough game. They actually even checked out their stadium and their facilities and things like that. And uh, sure, listen. Look, you know, like we all know from Icelandic football, their FA reinvest the money into the the structure over there, and yeah. you can really really see it. So, you know, this kind of crack. Oh, we're playing a team from Iceland. No, it's, no, it's not like that at all, lads. I think Jerry, don't they have roughly around the same gate as us attendance wise? Yeah, more or less. So they're they're based about uh, they're they're more or less a suburb really of of Reykjavik, um, and just not not that I'd be an expert in Icelandic uh, geography geography, but the, the vast vast majority of the population will be in and around that. There's kind of like a conurbation of cities around there, and well, and they're one of them. So yeah, really conurbation. Yeah, Mister Doggins' geography is coming out now. <laughs> Summerhill. Hey McGrew, I'll yeah. tell you what. One thing I do know: you won't be there. <laughs> yeah. No, or, yeah no, or none of us no, will be there none of us will be there no, no, unfortunately unfortunately it was a really depressing day wasn't it when you were looking at draw excited for the draw and then the realisation that you won't be no chance to go to the away game and like people will be lucky to get into the home game probably the way it's going at this stage like and it's just we qualify for Europe so little lately like and then to like just the holy grail the excitement of getting through to Europe last season and then like what is it? Nine months later, and we still don't know if we'll even get in to see the home game. Like it's, it's just, it's really depressing. Yeah. FS, FSI, which is the 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 main uh, fans 
body uh, in Europe has lodged a complaint with UEFA uh, over that because it's completely unjust and completely unfair. And it's a case of where the small clubs are suffering again as usual. Yeah. Um, and then when it comes to the group stages, you'll have it like, how can Free you have a situation? Yeah. yeah, when it gets to the group stages, it'll be all fine. And at the moment, when we're playing the European Championships, yeah. how can you have fa- fans from different countries, but you can't have uh, yeah. our games? Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, well, and obviously, you know, you know, that's going on the premise. This evening, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, but listen, hey, I mean, I wouldn't be getting too excited about looking at Hungary playing in front of 40,000 people because, you know, you, you don't want to be in Hungary. And I tell you what, if you don't have a vaccination, you don't want to be in that Hungarian stadium either because they've one of the highest, um, they've one of the highest yeah. death rates as well. So I think like it's all based on the premise that you're you're going to a country that's um, well, um, uh, well, you know, vaccinated or that their health system's on top of things or their government's on top of things as well. But I would presume that the Icelandics are because they've got their their shit together you know but then so Magoo, the other thing i want to talk to you about is um once we dispatch the icelandics there's unfinished business then in norway um yeah but uh, <laughs> are, so we I, get, are, are we getting ahead of ourselves oh yeah we're ahead of ourselves the boys are saying like i think we're really up against it in in, in the first the first round like with their not only with their european experience and the amount of international caps to have but like as we were saying jerry was commenting pod last week our not only lack of like European experience and everything but the lads that in our team that haven't barely played football in the last couple of years and then to go up against a team like that is a really big ask I think yeah. I, th- I really think it's going to be tough like it's uh, it's if we if we made it through that it'd be a phenomenal achievement to be honest with you phenomenal achievement like you can write just write off Rosenberg and take the plaudits and off yeah. you go because yeah. yeah, it, it won't get the credit, it wouldn't get the credit deserved neither, as Jerry said, because it's an Icelandic team. But I think these lads are really, really good. Like, even if you look at the recent performance in Europe, Brad, the ran the, the, the dog team, the really good dog team, really close. The ran Braga, really close. Like, this is a top quality side here, top yeah. quality. And, and experience and know how in, in European games counts for everything. It's even see our European campaigns from years ago where we were better mm-hmm. sides over. Uh, against teams and we still ended up on the losing side with just that little bit of experience know-how the one chance that comes is buried by yeah. experienced players and it's um, yeah you know, it's tough, Rosenberg tough at home being the main main one there Magoo yeah the, the class and the quality like it just won the chance and as much our naivety as well like we went we went 2-0 up away to them and we scored no goal from a corner kick in the last few minutes panicking um, Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and then we blew it at home. So I think it's kind of 50 50 lack, lack of experience in their experience. So, yeah. um, but even that's the, sorry, go on. No, I just gonna say that's the European experience. Like, we, we, yeah. we, we brought a lead back. Like, and what do we do with it? Do you know what I mean? How do we play this game now? We've lead back. Do we, do we yeah. play our normal, do we play our normal game and go for it, or do we yeah. sit in tight and try and? Hold yeah. these lads out, and that's all from experience. Like these lads will, you know, this is just an every every year occurrence for them. They'll, nothing is yeah. going to phase them. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Um, we'll, we'll move on because we'll talk about this again in the weeks to come. Um, but just to say, you know, it's worth your while going onto YouTube and just putting the club's name into YouTube and having a look at the facility they have. And you know, like somebody said, or not somebody said, but I was thinking to myself. We spoke myself and Sean spoke to Faz earlier on in an interview. You'll hear shortly. He spoke about his time in Luxembourg. Like these small countries are 
they're just so far advanced in relation to their domestic game um, than us. Like we're in the we're in the doldrums. Like you know, it's Stone Age stuff that we're we're messing around in the dark here. Uh, so you go onto YouTube, have a look at the facilities that they have um, at HF, and you see the indoor um, astro pitches that they have. Um, you see, like you know, the women's team that they have, the facilities that they have. Uh, you know, they're streets ahead of us, and that's where we want to be. I- like you know. I read a thing, um, I'm not sure if it was after Iceland qualified for the last year, was it 2016? They obviously, the, the Icelandic FA pumped all the money back into youth, local soccer, whatever like that, that there's an indoor astro pitch uh, every, I think, within, within two miles of every house, there's an indoor astro pitch. So, so everybody has use. Everybody in the country has use of facilities. There can be no excuse for nobody having facilities. Yeah. So within two miles of every house in the country, there's an indoor astro pitch. Yeah. Madness. Obviously, you know, Jerry will tell you the geography and their location on the planet Earth um, means that they're in darkness, I think, for X amount of hours per day in the in the winter. And also they've got the cold weather. So the government said, right, we're going to build facilities and we're going to focus our our game around, um, we're going to keep, put a huge amount of focus on the soccer. And they did, just as you said, Magoo, uh, they they built all these indoor astro pitches and yeah and, and here we are and here they are and there they are you know so yeah um we uh we'll shift on to um the game on saturday in the showgrounds um flag rovers one drahada united two um i guess the main starting point here is the changes that happened in defense um magoo the Obviously, um, Bailey comes in, Mahan has to switch sides uh, in the centre defence, so there's significant changes there. Um, it was, there's probably two mistakes from Blaney, but it's it's difficult to, he's coming in cold really, isn't he? He is, yeah, he hasn't played a lot of football, and um, then you also have John switching sides, so it probably took him a while to adjust, and then you have the lack of leadership as well. Uh in it and you know the likes of Blaney coming in from the cold not having played much football this year and last year yeah he could have done with a bit of experience beside him to guide him through the game and you had John whereas he I suppose he has a bit of experience but he's switching sides so he's concentrating his own game more so he can't be walking a young fella through the game and um, like having said that you know it wasn't that we were all over the place at the back and they were causing havoc and creating chance after chance it was it was too Albeit probably mistakes that on another day would have been cleared, but like the two worldly finishes too, like you know, another day the two another day the two of them were over the bar and nobody's we're not passing by by the heat of it, like yeah. Um Sean, you know, well, I don't you know what I was gonna Asher, why not? Uh, Chris Lyons wouldn't bloody do that when he was in a rover shirt. So <laughs> so um, is he is he now uh, the type of player that we need to be getting after or did he has he just got lucky? Um did he just get lucky the other day? I don't know. He's, he's proved to be a good player so far for Trada this year, so he has. But no, I don't think he's the player we need to be going after. Um, Why not? I think we need someone a wee bit more prolific than that. Right, okay. <laughs> okay, yeah. Are yeah. you saying someone there? Are you, you're muted there, Jerry. That's all right. He's top, he's top scorer in the league. Is he? Is he gone top scorer? Uh-huh. What's he got? Himself, himself and the other lads uh, up front. Have seven no, I thought each. it was Burn. I thought it was Burn. All right, that was top goal scorer. He is, yeah. Burn. Oh, is, is Lions yeah. up to seven? Jesus. 
there between you go. the two front men, they have 14 goals. So, Jerry, I didn't, I, you know, my takeaway from the game was this is not a disaster. I, I didn't feel that this loss was an absolute disaster. And like I tweeted after, um, after the last Shams game, you know, I want to hear uh, the managers, uh, I want to hear Bradley's aftermatch uh, uh, interview to see what sort of, what's he spouting, you know. And when Rovers lost, I had about five or six tweets from random Shamrock Rovers fans on the back of my tweets about wanting to hear Bradley. And they were like, eh, where are you now? Look at you now. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but like, I was like, you know, I, 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 I was disappointed to lose, but not the, if my feeling was it's not the end of the world. I don't know how you felt about the, you know, at the end of the game or, I was not the end of the game, but when the dust had settled a little bit. Yeah. Um... Just a few things there, actually. I put up the, the picture, you know, of the, the Bradleys, like whatever the fuck it was. I can't even remember. But, like, they were like that. They are all coming. Where are you now? Why are you useless? All this kind of shit. I'm like, what? Who are you now? You're yeah. Jesus. What? Like, what? What? Yeah. Hunky dory. with a very, very insecure club, lads. Yeah. yeah fucking hell. He's like, right. Big deal. But anyways, um, after, immediately after the game, I wasn't too... Disappointed, but the more I thought about it, the more what I was saying, the insecurities, what does happen when you're homeless for years? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, yeah, so I wasn't oh, immediately after the game, I wasn't too disappointed. Well, I was, but I, I think as more I more I thought of it, the more disappointed I got. And um, just looking back on the game, like uh, I read somewhere, someone put up a great point on Twitter or something like that. Was that the difference was that draw that were brilliant out, out of possession. Yeah, absolutely. They were absolutely magnificent out of possession. They were like, uh, they were like men possessed. They just didn't give us a front. Uh, they didn't give us a single second on the ball. They were on the front foot. Yeah. And we, but you know what kind of annoys me as well is that we call this a lot, and we're we're simpletons. We haven't a clue what we're talking about. Well, speak for yourself, here, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I am. I'm a big simpleton then, right? But we call this out right last podcast, and we could see what was going to happen, right? And I suppose that's what kind of makes it a bit disappointing too, is that you can have the best footballers in the world, but if you're not willing to win the battle straight off, you're not going to win the game. And Drada wanted more than we did. Yeah. So where we, some of our lads must have been going around the football pitch with their balls in a wheelbarrow because, you know, maybe they're just getting a bit too fucking high and mighty that we're top of the league and we don't need to fight and we don't need to graft. And for, look, for any football fan and for a fan of Sly Rovers, that's all I want every day of the week is a player to go out, bust his ass, uh, put his balls back into his shorts and fucking fight for, fight for the badge. A lot, of, a lot of ball requests here, Jerry. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I know, to be honest, I'm annoyed about it looking back on it. So, um, just, just on your point. You have to earn the right to stay top of the league and we didn't earn the right to get anything out of that game there. Drada earned the three points and they had very minimal possession. You know, and I, I think they are, you know, they're absolutely fair and points. Maybe so, I'm talking shite. No, no, absolutely fair points. And, and you're bringing up a topic that I wanted to talk about. So, Sean, if you're, you know, I'm not asking you to do, to do this, but, you know, um, if you're going to pick and it's starting 11 from the two, um, from the two squads, you know, is the vast majority of your squad going to come from uh, Drogheda United or Sligo Rovers? The vast majority will come from Sligo Rovers. So, um, so, you know, my, my thoughts after it is, is the standard of the league in such a place that, well, if you can organise your best 11 really well, and if you can get them geared up like Tim Clancy certainly has 
um, Drahada geared up and they're willing to fight, like Jerry has said, that you can actually, you can, if you're well enough organised, you can take points and beat any team in this league. Sean? Yeah, absolutely, you can. And they proved that by, they, they brought us into their game plan. When we lost Gary Buckley, we lost our ability to stretch the player from the back. And it's, our wide men usually stay touch tight to the line nearly. They're creating that width and Gary Buckley finds them in behind in the space an awful lot of the time when we're playing out from the back, just to allow us to stretch things that wee bit more. But Drada were able to compress us because we weren't playing a lot of diagonals out from the back. We were playing straight out, simple, short, five-yard passes. And they were able to compress us in and everything became tighter. And it became a far easier game for them to play then mm. because they were willing to work their arses off and press like animals. So they were constantly winning back possession. We could, and we couldn't find a way to change that. I, I, I would say, though, that, look, in the modern age, uh, football is, com- and I know we're doing it now ourselves, but football is completely over-analyzed, completely over-analyzed, right? At the end of the day, it's, it comes down to desire and if you want to win. And Drada had bags of that, and we didn't. No, they're the, that's the first requirements. After that, then you can show your skill. But you need to earn the right to play well and do your, your nice stuff, right? But unless you're willing to roll up your sleeves and get stuck in and be up for the game, and I think you can just, you know, turn up, well, then forget about it. That's yeah. prerequisite that you need to do that first. Yeah, but if, if someone... But, Jerry, but if, if a team it goes against your game plan, they figure out your game plan... Fuck like... game plans, to be honest with you. Because seriously, <laughs> if you're not willing to fight, forget about game plans. That's the first requirement well what, what about the first goal so um bulger gets robbed pickpocketed in the middle of the park and and they're in uh you know is that an example of us not having is that is that an example of us playing against what we're we're used to um you know are we you know is the ball stuck in the middle of the park too long um you know there are opportunities there for drada to press us is that an example of what you're talking about sean what happened in the first goal? But yeah, well, look, Bulger, it's a lovely trick. He flicks it over your man's head, but I just think it takes an awkward bounce off his shoulder where he's hoping for it to come off, off his chest and it take, the touch takes it away from him. And then after that playing, he's caught out of position as well. And then what can you say about the finish? Like, Jesus, that's that's of the highest quality. Yes. It's, yeah, it is a case of they're pressing us from there on in, but it's it's just an unfortunate mistake from Greg, really. Yeah. So it, is, it just takes an awful we got, bounce off the I, show. We got, we got, I, we, shown, we got sucked into their game plan. Like, we needed to get the ball out wide. We kept going, trying to go through the centre of the park. They had the three boys, they had the three boys in there, Deegan, uh, Markey and Highland, who were harrying and Harris and everything. And we kept trying to go through the centre to get Jordan Gibson instead of going out wide. Like, we were, I, I thought, at the start of the game, they started really on the front foot, really up for it. Kamala's really aggressively, but then we started to come into it. And I thought we were get, uh, becoming the better side. We were getting up the head of steam. We were using the wings. Banks and Byrne, especially on the right-hand side, were causing them, starting to cause a bit of trouble. They got a couple of balls into the box. Byrne put one lovely one across mm. the box at one stage. And then just as we were getting a bit of head of steam up, they scored. Mm-hmm. Sucked the life out of us. We looked lost and we didn't look like we knew what to do. What are we, how are we going to get back on this? We got to halftime. We come out the second half. Johnny, come on, whatever. We looked a better team again. We're much better in the second half. Yeah, we were just starting to get ahead of the same up again and look like we were going to 
get back into this game. We were we looked like the next the team team that was more likely to score. One ball over the top, balls let bounce, another crack and finish, and the life is totally gone out of us. Then that's it, game over. Like I know we scored late on, but it was never once they got the second one, it was never in doubt. As Jerry said earlier, day there wasn't really much in the team. In the, in the game apart from that like Ed didn't make any other saves apart from that their keeper probably had no saves to make really of note um, so there wasn't a whole pile in it it was a battle in midfield and we should have avoided that we should have went to the wings we have more quality we should have moved Gibson out to the wings he's our danger man since the start of the season so we should have got him into wherever we could get him on the ball in space do it get him out there get him yeah. on the ball and start causing them trouble because there was nothing there was nothing really in the game but Drogheda probably deserved it because of the work and the graft to put in. I just thought that about it they deserved to chat. Yeah. And, ba- and Bar, Bar Brown, they really struggled for pace at the back. So we yeah. should have been exploiting that. And we didn't. Yeah. We, we all let it come too tight and it suited them down to the ground. You know, and I and think... Having, and having just... Uh, sorry, on the last point, like, we looked better in the second half, I think, when Johnny came on because he wanted to stretch the play. We exactly. were Ryan on, Ryan on the first half and he was coming deep as well. So we had Jordan in there Everything was going through the middle. Then Ryan was coming into the middle trying to get it. And it was just so congested. And yeah. it was crying out for it to be to be switched and spread. And like we just got sucked in and we lost our heads. And that was something since the start of the season. Like you alluded to it last week, Connor, that the break came at the wrong time because we really, after the Derby game, we really got ahead of steam up. And we were really certain that and we we were we were using our, our game management and our game know-how through games. We were we were like we said we were we went ahead against Harp. We managed the game on the front foot. Same against Shams. We never looked in bother after we went ahead against Shams. We were, we've been using our game management in games since Derry game, but we just lost it against yeah. Drogheda. It just the minute, we, we, the minute we conceded, it was just all over the place. Are we a little bit one-dimensional, Jerry? Insofar as like one of one of uh, Drogheda's strong points was uh, attacking us on the break. It was the turnover. Like once, like uh, once they got saw the, an opportunity. Um, to win the ball back, press us. They were. It was immediately they were going to try and do something. Whereas, we are, you know, and I suppose I sp- I've said this a number of times. The contrast in how we play this year in comparison to the season before last, when we were highly uh, reliant on on um, attacking on the break. But are we a bit one dimensional now? Are we reliant to do? Are we trying to do the same thing all the time? Yeah, and um, I suppose look, draw it got the ball uh, got got it forward quickly um, and probably exploited us like that because we were trying to push on and we were going through the middle all the time and we weren't spreading the play and but I suppose it brings us to the point of we don't really have well particularly on the draw the game we didn't have a focal point up front um, Ryan, Ryan was up there what are our thoughts on Ryan what are your thoughts was on he Ryan? up there was I, was he, not, he was deeper. He was deeper in the midfield half the time I see him. Yeah, was he not supposed to be playing number nine, lads? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which look, Ryan is bags and bags of um, of uh, top quality football in him, but that's no good to us when he's not up at the top end of the pitch. And yeah. ball just we were just playing into their hands, and and we're crying out for an out and out striker, um, some that can hold up. And we're saying every week. Some that can hold up the ball and bring the rest of the team into play and get on the end of things as well. There's no point having a centre forward that's going to be lying deeper than your midfield. So you said you said, Jerry, and you've been saying it for the last number of days in our WhatsApp group that you would have hoped that we had somebody in by now. Is that right? Yeah, because 
I think it's generally, well, from a European point of view, it's too late to bring in a striker now. We have to go with what we have. Well, if they're, with a, if, if they're with a club, we have to wait for a window to open, do we not? Until July? Well, yeah, sorry. Well, yeah, yeah sorry. That's that's a good point. That's, um, but even still, like, you know, come the... Well, no, sure, we'd be all right. But the ninth, we'd be fine. But what I'm trying to say is that you need to have someone in now. You need to have someone that's going to get used to the squad, who's going to get their fitness. They may be coming from another country that they're going to have to quarantine for, well, I think it's gone from five, ten to t- five days to ten days today, even if you're, if you're coming from the UK. Yeah. So, so you sign someone tomorrow, they're going to have to spend the next ten days in their house doing nothing. We should have a player in by now. We knew that we needed a centre forward months ago. We've had months to plan for this and there's nobody still in. And this mm-hmm. game, this European game is a game changer for the, for the club. Yeah. Uh, and I just, I just think, I, I'm just afraid that we're gonna we're gonna not be prepared for it in that regard, and um, we're gonna miss the boat. Uh, Magoo, Sean, um, do you share Jerry's thoughts on Sean? Do you share Jerry's thoughts on the requirement to get uh, a number nine in sooner rather than later? I, th- I think a number nine would definitely benefit us. I think it completes the starting eleven. I think if we can get a prolific goal scorer in, we become a different kettle of fish altogether. I think we'd be extremely dominant within the league. But I suppose nothing's guaranteed. A number of uh, goal scorers is very hard to find. I don't think there's too many be available on the market. But I think would it be a case that we without, we can't get something right away because our contract's expired in England yet. Our, our players are officially out of contract. I don't think so. I don't I think know, so. Not from the ter- most of them are the 30th of June. Yeah. That's what I would have thought, all right. So, so te- technically, you can't get anyone unless they've already been released from a club, which is then you're in a pot of players that really you don't want to be grabbing anyone from. But there, but, but everybody's going on about Andre Wright. Does but he, he not fit? Ex- yeah, no, no, no but he hold on a second. Hold on a second. Does he not fit exactly what you described there? But he's not. He's not officially released from here yet. He is. He's gone about two months ago. He's left air about two months ago. He hasn't got a club. And I'm but sure, be, look, if could be Andre, on Gartman leaves. If Andre, well, look, he's not at the club, and he's, he's as far as I know, he's released ages ago. But look, what I'm trying to say is that still we, registered with them on White Scout, anyway. What's that? He's still registered with them on White Scout. Now, I don't know if that's anything to read into. I was just looking at his stats today. That's all. Listen, all if right. Magoo, if our Andre Wright, um, journalist. Shane McGoldrick doesn't have the inside scoop on Andrew Wright. <laughs> then nobody does, as far as I'm concerned. No, but I suppose what I'm trying to say is that there's a thousand and one Andre Wrights out there. And the reason that we're talking about Andre Wright is because we know him from the League of Ireland. Now, surely, if Andre Wright can't make it at Air United in the Championship in Scotland and he's been released, surely there's other players out there that would be equally as good, probably cost less money. And it's just that. We, me, you, Sean, and Magoo don't know about them. There has to be plenty out there. Gunners on Weisgard. Don't, don't tell me there's Gunner. no strikers out there. But we could we could have one lined up, but it could be on not until July that you get them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I, I'm just talking about the here and now. And I'm disappointed that we don't have a striker in now. <laughs> Raise <Ray's> rock. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jerry doesn't want to know about Messi signing in July. Fuck that. He wants, he wants Joe Bloggs today. He wants Andrew Wright 1001. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Listen, um, anything else on the draw the game? No. 
Um, we'll uh, we'll have a quick listen to your shouts from the shed end uh, after the well, you know, after the upcoming game against um, both Pats and Derry, uh, both away games. You can get your shouts in directly after the Pats game or after the Derry game. Give us your thoughts on the game, and you can send them in a voice note, no more than thirty seconds. Just state your name and location. Give us your thoughts on the game, uh, whether it's one of the games or both games, and send it into podcast at b o r s t dot i e. And here's your shouts to the shed end this week, and we'll kick things off with Sean from America. This is Sean from America. The draw to match uh, was disappointing, but these things happen. Uh, first half, we didn't really have any answer for their press. And second half, we didn't take our chances to finish them. Uh, lack of midfield depth is getting to be a little bit of a worry for me. I'd like to see a midfielder and another forward brought in. In the wind, when the window opens, uh, as far as the season goes, uh, we're joint top of the league. Out of 15 games played, we've only lost two. Uh, so we're doing something right, you know. Um, we're scoring goals this year. Like we've only got one game where we haven't scored. That's a vast improvement over the the last few years, where we'd go stretches of game where we haven't scored a goal. So all in all, I think, you know, take the good with the bad and keep on going uh, up the rovers. Colin Ripon here, Bad and County Mio, shouts the shit end. Um, really poor performance. Very, very hard to watch. Didn't look like they turned up at all. Trahada were really well organised. The pressing game was, was superb. Give Gibson no time at all on the ball. But what about that halfway line, Nats? Who drew that? Who drew the halfway line? Fergal Gallagher here, Maher boy. Um, I thought Drogheda were brilliant the other night. Um, pressed us all over the park. They reminded me of Dundalk when Dundalk were just getting going around 2015. And uh, I actually thought uh, Greg Bulger was very good the other night. Uh, someone mentioned uh, in the aftermatch they, they thought he played poorly, but I thought Greg was very good. I know he gave the ball away for the goal, but that was unlucky with a, a bouncing ball. And the drugs player was very sharp in. Um, we were a bit exposed, in fact, uh, as a team at that moment. Uh, I thought Greg was excellent the rest of the night. Um, but up front, we were really lacking uh, with creativity, and we need to create more more chances. We can't be relying on wonder goals uh, to win matches. So that's all. Okay, so that's your shouts from the shed end, as I said before, and get them into podcast at borst.ie, and we'll play them out next week after the game away to Derry. Uh, just one thing we didn't actually mention, and we should, uh, I know it was a difficult game for Shane Blaney uh, at centre-half, but he obviously uh, he, he got his first goal for the club um, in the dying minutes of the game, Jerry. Um, and I suppose, you know, we don't want to be too critical of him because he is coming in pretty cold from... Um, match time perspective so it was good to see good to see him get a goal it was a good header yeah ah, look I wouldn't be critical of him at all like yeah. um, it's a big game to come into and have not played football in a while and look football is football is mistakes are part of football it's not, I, I'd never blame anybody for really making mistakes to be honest with you so I, I would just <laughs> we'll, we'll, be play, that. we'll be playing that back to you now Jerry and, uh... <laughs> no but I, I don't I don't I, no don't, like I, I just like you know players that give it their all and Look, I'm sure Laney did. And look, the, the header that he got, it was uh, 
was a corner from the left hand side and he got across his man and flicked it on and went in uh, I think it was pretty much to the middle of the goal but it was a, it was a great header and uh, like we're getting a lot a lot of joy from uh, corner kicks this season I think that's what the last three goals we scored have come from corner kicks yeah that's just off the top of my head and there's been more so um, fair play to the to the coaches and all that it's great to see and we always and a lot of commentators have picked up on it as well there's a lot of movement and um, I know our fans were quite critical of our set pieces at the first three or four games but Jesus we, we have to be the best we have to have the best record of scoring goals from set pieces of any club this season so yeah, fair play yeah. patience is everything yeah okay so I don't always have <laughs> what's that? something that I, I, always, I don't always have myself <laughs> So um, we are going to have a chat about um, our two upcoming games, two away games, uh, Pats on Friday and uh, Derry on Monday. Uh, but before we do that, uh, we bring you our interview with Faradin Kodosevic, a former Rovers player. And myself and Sean spoke to him and we had a really interesting conversation about his time in Ireland generally and um, his ambitions to possibly come back uh, to Ireland uh, to manage. Okay, so Faz, first of all, thanks a million for... Um, uh, your time and joining us this evening. Um, I'm looking forward to this chat uh, because you were one of the, the people who uh, arrived into Sligo uh, in a period of time when the club was kind of transforming from, I suppose, the days of trying to get, we were struggling to get out of the first division. And um, so, yeah, you were you were part of one of the sig- most significant changes, uh, positive changes in the club in, you know, in, in its modern history, I guess. But before we talk about your time um, in Irish football, and with um, with Rovers, uh, I'm interested to know a little bit about. Um, obviously, I think you know you spend most of your or a lot of your youth in uh, the Midlands. I think in the UK, um, but uh, you were obviously uh, you're a Bosnian national. So, um, tell us a little bit about that kind of you know moving from Bosnia or the former Yugoslavia to the UK, and you know a little bit around around your family situation there. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, to be honest with you. I mean, to, to be as short as possible, it's my, my head is so, I don't know, mixed up since really, you know, a young age. I, I always and still do very much wherever I go, when I go to Bosnia, when I go to, back to England now, um, when I come to Ireland and even here in, in, in Germany and Luxembourg, I I'm, always feel like a foreigner, to be honest with you. Um the way we came about to, so basically when the war broke out in 92, um, we, um, so 92, in, in, so towards the end of 92, 93, uh, we escaped, um, we escaped our town, which was under um, Serb, under Serb sort of um, control. Um, we escaped to, first of all, Slovenia, uh, where we were in a refugee camp for about six months. Uh, from there, we basically got taken by um, yeah organizations, Red Cross, UN, or whatever they were at the time, um, and other private um, sort of organizations that transferred um, refugees into sort of the wider Europe or West, uh, further West. And one of the countries was England, um, uh, England, Germany, Switzerland, and the likes of. The majority of our family uh, who were also with, let's say, in Slovenia, went to Switzerland and Germany. But it just so happened that from before the war, my dad and we also lived in America for a, for a good while, for three, four years. Um, and my dad knew English. So obviously with the, with the English 
sort of um, groups. He was sort of helping coordinate the people a little bit, translating. And eventually we ended up also um, sort of joining the, the convoy to England, so to say. And uh, yeah, we, we ended up in, in Leicester, um, you know, allocated housing. And uh, yeah, the story sort of uh, started in the, from there. Just really quickly, what was your life like before the war? Were you like having like a working class or a middle class kind of life, or, or what was? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just uh, you know, definitely uh, middle class. To um, you know, I don't want to. You know, how would I say it? Uh, you were living like it was like it was just like norm normality in. It was yeah, absolutely. Normal like, yeah. Oh yeah. In, in that sense, I did spend like I said, I did spend sort of my early early years in America um, and then sort of two to three years before the war broke out back in Bosnia. Um, and these times were, I mean, I remember everything quite um, vividly, really. Um, the, you know, it was one of the safest countries you'd be, you know, playing out with kids. It's, it, I mean, suppose in most places were like that, uh, you know, in those times. Um, but yeah, no, it was a fantastic, uh, fantastic childhood I had. And, uh, you know, we were, my dad had a, my dad was a really successful, um, so let's say in the, in the corporate world. Um, that's why he was also in America. So, you know, it was, a, it was a really good, uh, good life for us. We had a good family and, uh, and good standing, so to say. Uh, but yeah, and then, you know, of, from, from a hundred to zero, we like literally, and I mentioned this on, on, a, on a talk a few weeks ago, like literally you get taken like everything's taken away from you and you don't even start on zero you start on minus uh, minus 10 you know so um, yeah yeah so um you know from a footballing point of view um you're obviously playing football around leicester in the midlands and um you were playing um did you go through the academies in derby uh, did you work yeah. through that academy yeah yeah, yeah. So um, first of all, I spent a, a year and a half with uh, at Leicester City, uh, for maybe from the age of ten to sort of twelve-ish, and then from uh, from exactly the the under twelves at Derby, um, a couple of us got scouted, um, joined in training for a few few weeks or something, and I ended up being kept on from there. Um, I went through all the age groups um, up until first team. Um, funnily enough, uh, myself and maybe two or three of the other lads, we got um, we uh, got offered and signed scholarship deals, professional deals um, at the age of 13. Um, and I still remember it really well, you know, being, um, you know, invited to Pride Park to a first team game. The first team manager sat down with Jim Smith, the late Jim Smith now. Um, you know, he sat down before the game, had, uh, had a lunch with me and my family, um, stuff like that. But um, yeah, definitely went, went through everything and then later scholarship pro. And um, yeah, so up until I was around 20, I think 20 years of age, I was there. Yeah. Baz, you just, speak, a bit before. Go ahead. just speaking earlier there just about how you feel like a foreigner nearly everywhere mm. you go at the moment. But just mm. in regards to when you first went into Derby and that, you probably mm. would have been one of very, very few foreign lads mm. joining the academy mm. back then. How were you accepted into the group? Was there... Was... Oh, I was In Derby was, was easy enough because uh, most of us had been together from sort of 12, 13. Um, I was, suppose it, it took me a good while, but that was only because the, the, the way I was or my character personality, I wasn't the, you know, the most extrovert, so to say. So it took me a good couple of years to sort of, you know, um, really uh, let myself loose and, and everything. Uh, but no, in, in that case, um, with the Derby lads, it was fine. 
um, because yeah, we we sort of really grown up together, and there's two, three, four of us that are still really uh, really close sort of from that time. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, but in general, in England, definitely at that time, there was not that many um, foreign, uh, for, especially sort of younger age groups, and uh, you know, coming into academy and professional, there wasn't that many young foreign players, so to say. So, um, what led to the move to Ireland, and how did that come about, or what was the what was the connection there? So, um, I mean, to to cut a, a long story short, after. I'd finished, I think, my my third year at Derby County, um, sort of, a, a, let's call it senior level. Um, I didn't get a, you know, I didn't get a contract extension. Changed over to, or changed to Notts County. Um, had a really good, uh, really good time there. Made my professional debut. Um, stayed there for a season. And then eventually, you know, just fell out of favour. Not, um, not based on anything football-wise. Um, it was more actually just, um, you know, the, the club or the team. It was like survival mode at the time. Manager got uh, manager got sacked. One of the players took over. You know, ended up having to play, um, having to play all the all the senior players, which is of course understandable, and um, that that that's the way it should be. Um, and eventually, you know, I'd sort of got fed up, and um, you know, uh, Sean Connor at the time. Um, after his um, time with Stock, um, Stoke, he'd always kept in touch with my um, with my agent, and eventually, you know, um, he said, "Listen, what about you know if Faz came over? I think he got the job at Sligo. Would uh, would Faz uh, fancy coming over? You know, playing regular and, and, and things like that." And uh, I decided uh, I decided for it. Um, that. That alone, it's like it's sort of um, sweet and sour. How would you say not sweet and sour? But yeah, um, uh, that alone was the best and the worst decision uh, I could have ever made. Um, <laughs> the best in the sense of like I started my sort of um, like professional uh, route in football and like I had the best of times in Ireland, like I wouldn't change um Actually, going and being in Ireland—that is not what I meant by sort of uh, what I what I regret. What I regret was not knowing that I should have stuck it out at Notts County because I was in a good place, had a good standing, and uh, I just didn't have anybody better, or you know, an agent, or my parents didn't know any better at the time to say no. That you're okay. You're a young player. That's the process. You know, sometimes you might have to wait till you're 21, 22 before you even become on the like fringes of being a first 11 player never mind like being solidified so yeah it's um definitely bittersweet in that sense uh, but again didn't have anyone to tell me any better but uh, on the other hand uh, my time in Ireland uh, started and uh, again it was uh, I wouldn't change it for the world so, so kind of what are you using now as the barometer you know what's the context for you to say that you know, when you look back that you should have given it more time in the UK, why do you now, why do you now think that? <clears throat> because, um, of, you know, um, I don't know, I mentioned it, like at the time I was, you know, it was very scarce um, for, let's say, young British, but I mean, I'm British on paper, so to say, but um, in terms of the way I played, my qualities, it was it was very scarce in in England at, at that time, um, but I didn't have the other attributes. That they hadn't developed to a stage where 
I had the presence to say, no, I can carry the position. So I wasn't ready physically, more or less. And um, so that's, that's basically it. And if I would have given it more time, my quality as a football player and playing football would have, you know, um, would have come, come to, the, to, to rise, basically. But I just didn't give it enough time. Um, yeah. so, so then you came over to the first division in Ireland to get, you know, your ass kicked around the place by... Uh... Yeah, man. <laughs> So, yeah. so um, yeah, I suppose what were your initial thoughts when you when you arrived into into Sligo and the like at that time? I know there was, there was there was a bit of an international feel to the team, but there was a lot of local lads. There was yeah. Michael McNamara, um, mm. O'Hara and goals. I know he's, he's down the road. Steve Feeney, yeah. So, Feeney, yeah. so what was what was your initial reaction when when you got into Sligo? Um, to be honest, let's say that the club in itself, um, no, I was, you know, I was, um, and again, I go back, like I, I, I talked about this the other day, I was sort of just in, in, in a sort of mental zone where you're just going through the motions, you're quite young, you take it all in your stride. Um, I didn't, I didn't think um, too much, uh, you know, about it, to be honest with you, I was there um, really to to restart or to, to um, you know, um, kickstart your start career. my career. Yeah. yeah. And uh, like, I really, um, I was sort of just really just going through the motions of being a football player. And uh, to be honest, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And uh, in regard, and we also had then, uh, for example, uh, with who I lived, um, Capono Low, we had yeah. um, still a good few of the foreigners we kicked around together, you know, um, Carlos Alvarez, Rafael, <laughs> Rafael Crutero, the, <laughs> the, the, the plastic Italian. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, no, it was no, it was, honest to God, like from the very first minute. And we had a great, like even the, um, even with the, with the local lads, they were fantastic. Actually, I lived majority of my time with uh, in Michael McNamara's house with him and Capono Lowe. Um, and we, the, the boys were brilliant, Connor, Grady, there was no, um, and, and that's that's not just, you know, um, so to, to say, but that's in general Irish people. Um, it, it's so much, you know, looking back now and, um, you know, analyzing how different, you know, moving from countries and, and you know, different mentalities and stuff. Um, Irish people in general are going to make you feel more welcome, more it's going to be easier to integrate and, and things like that. And uh, no, we, we, we just had the best times together. Baz, when you originally, when you came over first, so was it, mm. was it in your mind going to be a short stay? Was it just something to, to get you back over across the water as quick as possible? Or are we actually looking to build a career in Ireland? Again, it, it's one of them where, honestly, lads, um, I was so, and this is something, you know, times have changed. Um, boys boys today are so much more clued in on what's going on around them to begin with and in the, in the world uh, also. I was just, you know, and this is something where, um, where I sort of fell, fell short was I, w I really wasn't clued in. I wasn't, um, I wasn't switched on to exactly what was going uh, on with me. Um, in, in the sense of, uh, okay, I'm going to do this now over the next two years. I'm going to give gas and I'm going to make my jump back over. I just took it in my stride, enjoyed football, um, enjoyed, you know, living in Sligo, beautiful place, beautiful surrounding. Family was coming over, going back, met my uh, now wife sort of 
just after that time, maybe a year a year into it. So I was just really just enjoying life, enjoying being a football player. And I had no clue, actually. Um, and, and this is something um, which uh, wasn't a good thing. I really didn't, um, uh, not for the whole time towards the end, yeah, but definitely in the first year and a half, so to say, um, didn't really know what it was or what I, what I was there to do. I was just there to play football with no objective. Yeah. And um, with like with anything in life, if you don't have an objective, then you don't have a plan. And if you don't have a plan, you're just going to go through the motions. Uh, just a little bit on the the kind of technical aspect of um, the football side of things with you. Mm-hmm. I think I think you came over. I think you've always seen yourself as a centre midfielder, and you didn't play. You played wide or you played up top at Rovers, uh, and I think you've said that was because of maybe your lack of physicality. Um, but um, you know, and, I mean, you'd prove, you're a proven goal scorer across the the teams mm-hmm. that you played with. So were you happy when Paul Cook says to you, "Listen"? You're playing up top, you're playing wide. Are you happy to yeah. go along with it? Or, yeah. you know, at that age, were you, was your ambition still to be playing in the middle of the park? No, but to be honest with you, um, by that stage, I was, um, you know, I was taken and, and, and I was totally um, sort of moved away from even the idea of being a central midfield player and that sort of adopted this, even this sort of a um, little bit of an ego or whatever you like, a character to play. But with uh, with Paul Cook, the, the good thing was um, he he didn't um, specifically set me up to play, you know, as a lone striker right up front. Yeah. Um, he, re- he to be honest, he pretty much, and there was a couple of us or a few of us, he pretty much gave us a lot of freedom and license to go wherever with a little, you know, added pressure of we still had to produce, we still had to work hard, be in the right places, get the few goals. So in that sense, um, but yeah, no, we, we, with Paul Cook and then uh, also later on at Dundalk, it was a pretty similar story uh, with Ian Foster. Um, they pretty much tailored sort of the uh, offense around a couple of us um, and uh, with a lot of freedom. So it, it was super easy to play for Paul Cook. Uh, Ian Foster and Paul Cook, they were the two, well, I th- I've read before that you said that they were there, your mm. The two managers under which you played the best football of your career is that that's mm. still the case? No. <laughs> <laughs> my, my best football, my best football. Uh, no, my, my definitely my best football I played when I came over to uh, here to um, to to uh, Germany yeah. uh, because I played as a number eight. Um, still got my goals. Still um, played box to box, and I just really like rediscovered myself. I learned a lot about the game. Um, I had before, to be honest with you, before I came to Germany, I had no clue about um, the actual game of 90 minutes of football, uh, which is far more intri- intricate and um, interesting and complicated than just going out. Yeah, lad, yeah, it's, yeah. So until I came here, I, I learned a lot of the. A lot more of the tactical stuff. Um, so did, did, did you need to leave Ireland to at your, the end of your time in Ireland around 2010? Mm. Did you know then that you needed to go back that as a more technical player, you were going to excel yeah. in a different in different league, yeah. a different country, different environment? Yeah, this was all to be honest with you. This was always my uh, dream, passion, goal was to come home into into Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, I had something about Germany. I don't know why. Um, luckily, with a, with a couple of games 
the Europa League um, and previously in uh, the Champions League qualifiers with Drogheda and then Dundalk, um, I got, you know, agents contact and, and what have you. It goes, it goes pretty quickly. Um, and I got some interest here from uh, the third and fourth league in Germany, which is it's really a, a, a another level on, a, you know, technically, tactically. Um, and yeah, it sort of moved, moved quickly after that, sort of after my season at Dundalk, which was also not bad. Um, but I knew, I knew, I just knew. And I only wish there was um, some, I, I wish I was awake to the possibility uh, as a person before, and I would have tried to make it happen earlier. Yeah. Um, not, not in the, not in the sense of there was something uh, bad about being in Ireland. Uh, no way. I had like again, you know, the best of times. But you know, for my actual football to to come out, I I really did have to come over. So we've jumped on a little bit, um, but you 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 left Rovers midway through the two thousand and eight season. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think you know you're you know even though you're saying you didn't know what your plan was, you were definitely ambitious because mm. you played with all the, a lot of the top teams. You made a huge inf- impact on the league, I suppose, regardless of where you went. But you were, I mean, apart from winning the first division with Rovers, um, you were after that. You were always, I think, aiming quite high. So what led to obviously the the Champions League was probably a major draw for you to go to to Drada. Yeah, uh, in first place, yeah. But to be honest with you, more more so than that, um, it was playing with it was playing in um, a system, not even a system. It was basically playing and working with um, stronger players, um, stronger sort of club in the sense of how it was not a club uh, team and how it was run. Um, you know, obviously, I um, I heard a lot about Paul Doolan. Um, and it was in, in that sense of demand, um, how things are done, discipline, um, intensity to training, playing. It was complete another level. So that was what more than just the Champions League. Because the Champions League qualifies, it can be two games, it can be four, it can be six. Um, but it was really, um, it was really that because I, I wanted, I really wanted the, to demand more of myself and then then play with. Uh, with fantastic players, you know, that was successful. Oli Carl, uh, Paul Keegan. Um, so, yeah. And Faz, yeah. you know, the project at Rovers at mm. that time, just before you left, seemed to be taking off and going in the right direction. Mm. Was there any temptation to stay and be part of that? Or was, was your mind always set on leaving? Because I know, yeah. coming from a supporter's point of view, when you left, it felt like an awful slap in the face. Not in a bad way towards you, but just in a way mm. that it felt like it was another step backwards when we thought we were on the right path. Yeah. No, I can, looking at it now, um, so yeah, good good way to put it. Um, no, I can see, I can see that. Uh, but you also, I mean, you, look, I always like, I don't see any negatives in anything. At the time, there was there was really no... And actually, it was meant to happen. Um, it was even meant to happen sort of six months before, to be honest. And they couldn't agree in the winter. Um, so um, my mind was definitely set. And that, the, you know, it, it didn't stop me performing at all for Rovers because it was still like I had to prove myself to, to get it done. Um, but, you know, from a club, but also from, from a fans and club point of view, you have to think, okay, well, 
you're going to lose players, whether it's, you know, Fanrin and Kuduzovic or the next guy. When the team's doing well, things are looking up, uh, performances and what have you, you're, you know, players come and go. It's just it's just part and parcel of, of, of the game. Um, but in, you know, from my thing, it was, I was really set on uh, because I just, I saw it as a step up and something um, that I could have missed. And, you know, the only, um, the only sort of, um, you know, negative about it was that I was li- that I was leaving Sligo. If it was another club, it might have been even easier, so to say. But Sligo, as a club, always looked after me. You know, in the sense of um, as a person, uh, financially, I was uh, especially. You know, um, that time I left, I was probably one of the uh, better play- uh, paid players. So in that sense, there was no. Um, you know, no um, bit of feeling or, or, or thoughts. But, um, it was just purely football and I had to do it. And then my mum was set and there was no, like, going back. Yeah. You, you went to Cork then after that. Um, and Cork were Cork were one of the top teams as well in the league at the time, I think. Um, they yeah. kind of fell apart after you left. Um, yeah. So, so did Drada. I'm not saying you're the yeah. common denominator, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, you never know. <laughs> uh, Too expensive, yeah. Funds <laughs> <laughs> depleting, yeah. Nah. Um, but I, I suppose, like, having played across Cork, um, mm-hmm. uh, you were in Dundalk then afterwards, what was the, you know, which at the time, which was the best-run club, do you think? What was the most established club of all, of all the ten of top clubs that you played with? Apart from Sligo uh, Rovers, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Um <laughs> To be actually, it's you know, if you if you're talking stability, if you're talking um, purely um, security, stable, well run, actually, Sligo Rovers probably was the best run club because you, um, even though of course it's tough for, for most um, Irish clubs in the sense of financially uh, sponsors, you know, um, the the audience, the the customer group is not big, so to say, but um, there was never anything, you know, oh no, will, um, you know, is this going to go uh, belly up? Is you know, mm-hmm. whereas the big clubs, especially when they're spending big in an economy like Ireland, yeah, yeah. there's not much return on investment um, in the in the football. Um, yeah. So it's like, uh, in that sense, definitely Sligo, but, you know, um, Cork City, I think, from feeling, I don't know how it is, maybe Shamrock Rovers. Um, I know some of the Dublin clubs, of course, also big clubs, uh, Derry City. But Cork is quite quite a special club, I would say. Yeah. I had a, and we, okay, um, we had a good time as a family there. My first boy was born in Cork, but um, it is it's, it is quite a special club and they have a nice stadium. It makes it nice cook now. Well, uh, Cork went to pot after you left. Um, like, do you do you keep an eye on what's going on in, in football in Ireland at the moment? Because Dundalk are, you know, they had big uh, US um, mm. money in the club, and it looks like they're about to pull out. And it's kind of mm. that's kind of going south as well. But do you follow what's yeah. what's happening? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, never, never stop. To be honest with you, um, but obviously having a few mates still over there playing. Um, Who are you friends with? Uh, Raf. Oh yeah. Uh, Raf Kotero, we're always in touch. Uh, yeah, so assistant in uh, Derry now, assistant. Uh, yeah, uh, super for him, like to, yeah. to get going, and uh, yeah, fantastic, uh, fantastic uh, position for him. Um, no, I'm always, uh, to be honest, I'm always keeping uh, every, I mean, most things I know, of course, results, league table, what's going on. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty much clued in, um, definitely. So, yeah, 
Yeah. Um, it's clear that, you know, obviously you're, you're, you're I mean, are you assistant now at, um, yeah. at, the, uh, at the German it, club you're with? Yeah, it's um, actually, so I had... Eintracht Tour, is that right? It is, yeah. yeah. It's where I came and played for yeah. um, nearly five seasons. Um, the story is, so uh, for, for a year and a half, I was um, manager in Luxembourg, which is just here over, you know, like... 15 minutes away so to say uh from trio it's just over the border um so i was manager in luxembourg and in my first season so i was uh took over uh, midway uh, midway through the season we uh, basically saved the club from relegation then the following full season my first full season we got promoted directly um in the same time a very good friend of mine got the manager job at Eintracht yeah. So he's like, listen, you know, we was, we're like really, you know, uh, really, really good friends. We were two, three times a week together talking football, um, sort of fell into to, to management uh, at the same sort of time. And he said, look, like he really loved what I was doing. And he was like, listen, if I continue to, to do this, like I can only do it with you. And uh, we need to basically we need to get the club back up uh, a league at, at minimal. So came back as uh, assistant. Um, and we very much, to be honest with you, it's, it's kind of a sort of, um, yeah, we, we, we run it very much, you know, as a, as a coaching team, so to say. And uh, we're very much both involved in everything. Um, it's, a, it's a bit of a different situation to, let's say, UK and Ireland. Um, so it's a definitely a, a great place. It's a huge club, huge history. Um, we're working, you know, very, very professional, really intense. And, uh, yeah, no, it's... Uh, Coming from uh, Luxembourg, which is a little bit weaker on the, you know, on the football ladder, um, I had to come back and put my foot back in Germany. And uh, yeah, let's see. I need, uh, you know, we've had really successful um, two seasons now on paper. We've just got to get it over the line now. Hopefully, either with a decision for promotion or if we have to start again, do it. But um, I'm looking to acquire a couple of more successes with my promotion in Luxembourg. And then, um, and then, you know, my eventual goal is, you know, back, uh, back over the water, to be honest with you. And it sounds like from what you've said, mm. um, you know, the, that you've, the way you've learned about yourself and yeah. um, it sounds like you're, you know, you're, you're so reflective on your own career and the, the decisions that you made that you are uh, well cut out for, for coaching and management and, I mean, you, pro you probably have quite a, you probably have a lot of experiences, life experiences and football experiences to, um, yeah. to relay um, yeah, valuable you know, information to, to, to players. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, I, you know, that often uh, people say, you know, you, you learn mostly from, you know, your mistakes or, or, or such thing. I, personally, I wouldn't say, um, that I made particular mistakes uh, uh, when I was younger or throughout my career, I really had a great time. For me, um, playing in Ireland, it's still a, you know, a top European country. It's first division football um, and then coming here, playing a really good level in, in Germany. Uh, but definitely, you know, um, especially um, actually after finishing professional um, in the summer of 2014, um, you know, I really turned the corner mentally. I went through a lot here in Germany, you know, speaking about earlier about being a foreigner and this and these type of things. I tell you, coming to Germany as a foreigner is something very, very different to coming to 
Ireland as a foreigner. Um, even, you know, experience from, uh, you know, changing room, bullying, uh, politics to um, racism, um, you know, even uh, being a, you know, a, a white guy from, let's say, England, what they saw, um, really, really experienced a lot. And, you know, 2014, last day of professional, I said, never again to a lot of things, uh, turned the corner mentally. And from there, I've not looked back, you know, in the sense of um, I've seen, thank God, um, seen success in, you know, in a few um, sort of departments in my life. And uh, yeah, definitely a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, that to, to relate to boys. Um, that's one of my big things, you know, touching, uh, touching, let's say football players, young boys, and uh, really awakening, finding themselves, um, experiencing being locked into what's actually going on, uh, yeah. teaching them what, uh, what you know, you can be a good footballer, but do you play football well? Um, you know, there's, uh, but yeah, no, I, uh, I've definitely discovered myself um, and I really, I really love the, the, the management or coaching side, if you like, and, yeah. It's funny, like, and Sean, I'm sure you'd agree, and I'm sure fans you'd agree yourself. Like, like we, you know, we see young lads coming into the showgrounds from the UK or Scotland, and mm -hmm. you just know that they haven't a clue. Like, they could be great footballers, and maybe they never get to show themselves as great footballers. Yeah, because they've no idea what they're at. Like, they don't know. What, no. They're like, what am I doing in Sligo? And they, and like, whatever uh, platform or, or whatever um, talent they do have, it's never it, it's never shown because they don't have the confidence, and they're just. Exactly. And this is one of the, 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 the sort of in general, uh, one of the biggest, um, one of the biggest stumbling blocks, blocks uh, for, for young players is actually not knowing or not being awake to the situation that they're in and what it takes to either do well in that situation or if you want to achieve more. Then what, what, how do you make a plan? How are you going to go about it? What do you need to do? What do you need to do to improve physically, first of all, mentally, football-wise? Um, there really is so much there that the boys, they just go. And, and I was the same. And the reason I know it is because I went through the very same thing. And uh, boys don't have anybody to tell them better, whether it's parents, agents, friends. Um, time's a little bit different now with all the things available the facilities available to to young athletes let's say whether it's online or you know um material wise um but it really is one of the biggest uh, and i tell you if if boys knew let's say you, you bring up the example coming to, uh, to come into sligo if they really knew that um the opportunity they had through that very club of sligo and the showgrounds what they could accomplish if they knew it, you know, like they wouldn't know where the end was, but they don't. I do mean, th as an example. Do you think Jamie Coleman had a plan or was he just on raw, going on raw talent? Um, and it's not for you to answer whether he had a, he had a plan or not, but like, do you... Do, no, from, from, I don't. Yeah, no, it's, it's a super easy question to, to answer and I answered it the, the other week as well. Um, Jamie at that time was, you know, six, well, not six, 17, eight, going on to 18. And what Jamie had was... For sure, he himself um, didn't have a plan. Uh, whether his uh, family were that experienced in football, I would doubt it. But what Shamey had was a, um, uh, an opportunity uh, came along from Everton in this case, and he had people within that club, and to begin with, to say, Shamey, 
this is what you have, this is who you are, and we can make you this. Give us a chance. And that's and Seamus being the man he is, or the, the boy he was at the time, or the, the young man, um, he's only going to give 100%. And if he has professionals from such a place telling him, you can do this, and we will help you do it, then it's, you know, then he has the guidance. And did you know when you were playing with him in the showgrounds that he was going to go as far as he did? Uh, no, no, because um, not, no, because we just didn't think about it. You know, like I was, uh, you know, I was in my own world. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But what, what you definitely knew, what you definitely knew was that he had everything to do it. Yeah. He had uh, more, more so than his uh, physical attributes. He was lightning quick, like freakishly strong. He was like a, honestly, he's like a wall solid. Um, you know, I know, you know, he played his Gaelic and what have you. These boys are solid as stone. <laughs> um, but what he had more than that was um, he was really lucky. And I mentioned this the other day. He was raw in the sense of he hadn't been coached so much. Yeah. You know, he, he wasn't affected by bad coaching, good coaching or what, you know. So yeah. he was very much people say, oh, he's raw. And, and mostly then you associate that with physical or, oh, yeah, with football. But what what that has to do with really more so is that um, he was uncoached up until that point or uncoached. And they knew with his physical attributes, they can make him the player that he needs to be. And the boy was so um, courageous. He had courage and he was not afraid to. And when I talk about courage, I'm talking about playing football courage picking the ball up, going past two players, going through little gaps, making a decision. That's also more important, sometimes uh, not more important, but just as equally as important as actually having, uh, you know, football quality and things like that. Um, before we wrap things up, um, so obviously you're, you're looking to develop your coaching and managing career. Um, do you think that if the opportunity arose that you could come back playing your trades on our shores once more as before you make the Premier League or yeah, Champions League actually, again? Actually, I was, uh, I was speaking to uh, over text the other day uh, with Conor O'Grady uh, when, he got the, when he got the academy uh, role earlier in the year. And uh, I was saying to him that um, in my sort of, uh, because, you know, I have a, strategy i have a plan um definitely now um uh, ireland lies on that plan to be honest with you because um i mean you know you have to be or i'll be brave and say my ultimate goal is to go back to england and coach because um now experiencing football in a few countries um you know england love it or hate it there's just something there's just something special about football on a saturday like like it's I mean, Germany, football is huge. Like, it's just as crazy as in England, Ireland, whatever. Uh, but I have to, it's like unfinished business. And, you know, the way I've developed my sort of mentality that I, I want to go. And now, the, you know, uh, in, a, in a sort of theoretical, like ideal world, like I had an upbringing and schooling in English football. I had an extensive schooling now in German football. Um, and you know, life experiences. Maybe my sort of. Um, I want my calling to be that I, you know, make use of all this experience. Um, 
but you know, I'm, I'm super, super success orientated. Um, I only want to do it based on, you know, have, I don't want to have it based on, um, or a chance, let's say in Ireland. Oh yeah. He played here. Uh, da, da, da. Um, let's give him a shot. No, I want to have only successes wins on my CV before anybody gives me a chance. And I want to do it that way. And, uh, Definitely, definitely. I would, uh, you know, Ireland is a good level. Football is also evolving very much in Ireland. Why not? Have you got all your badges? No, I'm, I'm on the A now. I'm on the A now. Like, uh, you know, I got this. Uh, oh, I did my C when I was still a, uh, at Derby. And uh, believe it or not, I got this. I got the job in Luxembourg. And uh, I was, I was a, sort of playing and they say can you take over i said well if i take over i'm not playing anymore they said okay fine um literally from scratch alone no you know no coaching badges no going through the courses um blank piece of paper and just wrote everything up myself from you know strategy training programs everything and um yeah it was you know um in the first full season one promotion and uh, i often say it's still the the most difficult thing I ever did in my life, physically, mentally, it took everything out of me because, uh, yeah, it's not easy, you know. And Luxembourg, again, total different language, French. Um, you know, you have a lot of different, again, different cultures, uh, ethnicities, nationalities coming in in Luxembourg. It's not just majoritively German, so to say. It's a lot of French, Luxembourgish, Portuguese, Yugoslavians, uh, sort of Arab, French the mixes um and then again that was a total different um thing and a test but um yeah you know somehow i i managed it in the end but uh yeah you haven't put your name in for the dundalk job <laughs> no you know um like i have the you know sometimes in uh, in life you have to also have uh you have the luxury of I wouldn't know. I mean, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not even a, a candidate or an applicant or whatever you want to call it. But uh, no, it's it's just not, it's not the time. I have um, unfinished business with Trier until our name is over the line for the promotion. That's what it is. Um, it's my city, um, you know, and, and, and our club. And uh, uh, I want to work towards this with our boys. We're nearly there. And uh, then once I have that success under the belt, then, uh, then we will see. Um, but not to say, I think, to be honest, I could probably, uh, you know, do a decent job. <laughs> well, fans, we, uh, Slugger Rovers have plans to develop uh, an all-seater 6,000 yeah, uh, 6, seater stadium, 17 Amazing. and a half million quid. We just, we just need to uh, get together. Um, <laughs> and we hope to have it done in about six years' time. So maybe uh, come 2026 or 2027, you know, you've got a little bit more experience. Uh, we'll get you into our all-seater stadium as... Uh, yeah. As, as the new boss in the showgrounds yeah it wouldn't be bad no it's lads look um you know uh it's it's all well and good good to dream but like um i have a special definitely a special feeling for for a couple of the clubs in in ireland and for me ireland is uh, definitely one of the stepping stones which not that i not just that i want to take but uh, that i have to take to get to where i'm going and uh you know, um, over the past uh, four or five years, I'm a really big, um, I'm a really big believer in, uh, first of all, God, second of all, in, you know, uh, good energy in the universe and whatever you put out, you, you know, not only get back, but if you can sort of vision things and uh, 
work hard towards them, then they sort of tend to materialize, but it's not easy. Okay, Faz, on that note, we'll um, say thank you very much for your time again. Of course. And we wish you all the best um, um, next season, I guess, or this um, coming yeah. season. Yeah. And um, um, who's to say we won't cross paths again? We'd love to get you back on the podcast to just check in and see how you're progressing. And, um, and we might see you back uh, in Ireland in some guise or some form. Yeah, hopefully, boys. No, thank you. Thank you very much. I, I mean, uh, for me, it's a, it's a case of uh, I, love, I love talking. I love listening. I love learning. And uh, these uh, these experiences are really not just because it's a podcast and it's going online. That doesn't interest me as much as um, talking with you guys, seeing you guys um, re- reconnecting and, uh, you know, learning something together. Maybe um, that's what I really appreciate and cherish. And anytime, let's uh, definitely we will see hear each other, see each other and uh, hopefully in, uh, in live in flesh. So. That's Faradin Kodosovic, or Faz, as many of uh, us will know him better as um, interesting uh, conversation, Sean, isn't it? Was, um, very honest again. Yeah, it was great chat with him. Very, very honest, and uh, it was interesting to hear his views, like on his time in the League of Ireland. You know, he wasn't going to promote us and just say we were the greatest club on earth or anything like no. that. He was, <laughs> <laughs> he, was uh, he had a very fair opinion on everyone. I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the, the league was probably good to me. He was around at the right time as well, and he got. He probably made, I won't say he made a lot of money, but he probably <clears throat> made the most of his time uh, in Ireland. And it'd be good to see him. It'd be interesting to see what happens in his his coaching and managerial career uh, in due course. I think he broke um, our hearts at the time, though, didn't he, when he left? Oh, he did, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. But anyway, let's, um, let's try and keep things uh, positive. Um, just before I forget as well, and um, just so it doesn't slip my mind, so um, we gave away a case of beer with thanks to our sponsors, the White Hag, last week, and that was won by the Prince of Pessimism, Eamon Kelly, who uh, predicted a 2-1 loss in the showgrounds. Uh, had a little chat with Eamon. He's got a strategy. Um, he didn't just pull a he didn't just pull a, a scoreline out of his arse. He actually has a strategy, uh, but he would as an accountant. I won't tell you what a strategy is. I won't, I won't blow it out of the water, but. Uh, he, he's uh, he's he's bringing the brains to the game here. But anyway, so I guess we're going to give away uh, the case this week uh, after or in the lead up to the Pats game. Is that is that probably the best thing to do, guys? Yeah. After the Pats game, yeah. We'll give it away after the Pats game, but um, we'll get people to give yeah. send in their predictions. Oh yeah, yeah for yeah, yeah. For, for for the Pats game. Um, so uh, using the hashtag uh, Beer Scorecast and uh, tag the Trust and tag uh, the White Hag Brewing Company. Um, give us your predictions. Uh, ahead of the game away to St. Pat's so just a scoreline and use the hashtag beer scorecast and you will be in a chance in with a chance if you get the score uh, right to win a case of wonderful white hag beer and it'll be announced on YouTube and the aftermath reception by the lads post Pat's game so uh, let's get stuck into um, the Pat's game Uh, Magoo do you welcome an away game at this stage Uh, yeah and why do you welcome an away game at this stage because I, well, I said it yeah. numerous times, but I think we're better suited away to home, away from home, away to home. Jesus, away from home, um, it just suits our game better, I think, and especially with the with the forward players we have and the space that's obviously you get on the break away from home. So that's not to say that it's going to be any easy game or any walkover like his past we're going to play. So especially in Richmond Park where we've got a horrendous record. Richmond Park. 
Richmond Park, yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd rather was playing away from home at the minute. Uh, so, Sean, you want to see, um, am I right in saying, you want to see Gibson at wide anyway? Um, and to try and maximise potential space, or, are you happy to see him go through the middle again? Gibson, no, if he'll go through the middle, he'll be playing. He's done the most damage against them there in the home game anyway, through the middle. He was very good there. I'd say he'll still see Mark Byrne start again out wide, out wide right, and Walter out left. But we do have to use the wide players now. You know, we have to exploit that space in behind because they play with two wing backs as well. So there is space in behind. So we do need to exploit it. We need to use it well. But like that, we need to show a bit more about ourselves and have a wee bit more creativity within and around the team from back to the front. Uh, so who started? Uh, was it Hoban and McCourt who started full backs against Drogheda? I think it was. Am I right in saying that? No, it wasn't oh, Banks. Banks, Banks, Banks and McCourt. Oh, uh, Horgan came. Sorry, Horgan came on as a sub. Yeah. So and then the banks, banks go into the middle of the park. Um, yeah, because he switched. He switched to a three-five-two then. Yeah. Um, so, Jerry, are you happy to see uh, Banks and McCourt starting fullback? And um, do we want to see a bit more from our fullbacks um, getting forward, or because we're away from home, are you, are you happier to see them sit back in a more defensive role? Um, they're not really pushing. They're not really pushing forward. No, they're yeah. definitely not. Um, um, Horgan when he when he comes into the game, yeah, and interestingly enough, he kind of he came on what was right side of midfield the the last day against Strada, which was really unusual, and uh, Lewis Banks went in to the back three. So I think, look, in fairness to Buckley, um, it was good to see again that he reacted quickly to to the situation. The way the team lined up when it went to three five two was a a bit unusual in that Horgan did go right side of midfield. Um, and then we, and Moorhan came off, was kind of surprised by Moorhan. And, and even like, um, I know a couple of lads mentioned um, Mark Byrne, they thought he played well in the first half. So I was a bit surprised by the, I wasn't, I was glad to see us go 3 5 2, but I was a bit surprised by the substitutions and the way it came about. And obviously there was a, a bit more urgency in the second half, but I still would have liked to see Moorhan stay on. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, um, Donna, what are your what are your thoughts overall on? Do you think we'll see a similar? Do you think things will line out as they did against Rod? Or will I you expect? Don't think we'll start with a three five two against Pats anyway. No, I'd be surprised if we did. But one thing I, w- I did take from the from the second half of Rod was that the wing back role really suited McCourt. Yeah. He really, he really came into it in the second half. He he used that line brilliantly. He was up and down, and any joy we were getting was coming down his side. He was really, really good in that in the wing back role. So that's that's encouraging to see that it's something that maybe used at home, but I can't imagine we'd use it away from home for the first time starting off against a pad side like that. I think we'll need to be fairly structured going into that game. As a fair to McCarthy, probably had well, we had two very good chances before. Um, Blaney got the goal and McCourt was one of them. Yeah. You know, he was, he was in the box and which is great to see him that high up the pitch when we are chasing the game. And I definitely think as well, I, everybody's not their head when you were saying about uh, McCourt suited the, the, um, that role. So I'd like to see us maybe do that more often when we're at our home, but definitely I wouldn't say away from home. I think it could, it could be a tactic that actually suits us at home. 
because it does give us that little bit more width and we're still we're fairly structured at the back it just it makes us a wee bit more top heavy when teams are sitting back against us and giving us that bit of time on the ball so you know it it help us in that regard for maybe opening up a few spaces and i think that's been probably our biggest crime Sean is that we haven't been top heavy enough particularly in home games and again going back to the draw the game you had Range of Reese, he was almost as deep as the midfield. So again, we had no focal point. So if we're a little bit more top heavy and that we're all pushing together forward as a team, then there's no need for the stri- striker to be dropping as deep as, as yeah, what he so. was. So I think it would kind of help the, the team move up the pitch and stay up the pitch more, but also still be solid, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Gives oppositions t- something else to think about yeah. as well. That- you know, that we're not too predictable when you're playing at home where it's just a case of, look, if you can drown them out in midfield and push them back away, touch, you'll kill off their threats. You know, if yeah. you can throw out a different tactic against them, it makes them think a little bit more. Uh, it also gives us the ability to be able to shoehorn Romeo and Johnny into the team at yeah. the same time. Because I think in any of the games recently, anytime Johnny's come on, he's made a difference. Yeah. Like, and it's... It's just a hard to find a way to get him into the team at the minute with Romeo being our biggest goal threat, obviously. So he has to come back into the team. Yeah. Um, and he would really benefit from a strike partner as well. Yeah. But he does, he, he does look, he makes us, we look a better team when he, every time he's come on recently, we've looked a better team. Yeah. Yeah, I know I'd agree with that. It's really hard to know what to expect from uh, the opposition, from Pats, um, particularly in in uh, Richmond Park. They're blowing hot and colds. Um who are uh, or Dundalk turned the corner against them, <laughs> only for them to turn another corner. So uh, the big two nil. It was a, they went in a circle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. must be on the Dooley Express. <laughs> left, right, on the right. Just running around that circus ring they're in. <laughs> yeah, um, and they drew with Derry uh, in the Brandy well before that, and they've obviously beaten Longford three one, and then there's supposed to be a bit of a gap between Longford and. The rest of uh, the the, um, the reasonably good teams in the league building up, but you know, I mean, it's hard. To, what, what do you think, Sean? What like that? The game they lost against the Dock. I think they had a fairly strong team out there. They had um, they had um, you know all their all their big hitters there, as far as I can see. Um, it just didn't happen for them. They had Forrester there and Robbie Benson and um, your man Paddy Barrett centre half. So it's hard to it's hard to know what to expect. Yeah, but judging by their recent performances, just off reports that I've heard and stuff, it's they've been poor. They haven't been playing well at all up until the game against Longford there the other night, where by all accounts they were act, they were very good and back to their best. I think Cotland is back on the score sheet again for them. So, you know, they're going to come into it higher confidence anyway. So they will. And I, I don't know, Stephen O'Donnell still suspended? Is he still got a touchline ban or is he is he back on the sideline? Uh, I don't know. Well, there's the reason for their win, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but what do you think? They're coming off a back, uh, coming off the win, uh, the back of a decent win, Magoo, um, which will obviously lift their spirits, I suppose. And as as um, Sean has said, the likes of Coughlin and Smith, uh, and I don't know who got the third goal. Uh, Benson yeah. got the third goal. Um, they'll they'll be coming into the game of confidence, and they want they which would be, which might well, be, yeah, might be like, a bad thing, I suppose. No, exactly. Because look, as I said already, away from home, we'll exploit any space to give us on the break. But you know, like I wouldn't be surprised um, to see Bucky try a three-five-two or that against these. Because these will do, do the same as I would imagine as draw. They'll put three in the centre of the park. So you know, we don't. We'll be overrun in there again. 
Yeah. Forrester will be in there. Benson will be in there. You'll have both and, of them in there. And then it'll be another. It'll be it'll Billy be, King. Um, Billy King or Lewis. Uh, what, yeah, I don't know. There's the other. What's it called other fellas? It's not Lennon. It's um, it is Lennon. Yeah, Lennon. Yeah, 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 Jamie Lennon. So, so I'd say they could have a tree in there. So you never know. Buckley Mice, he's pulling some, especially away from home this season. He's he's caught us on the hop a few times when you think you're predicting teams. He's he's pulled something in the bag. So you might you might see something like that. But um, look, we know that they'll probably have more more of the ball and and be looking to they like to build up from the back. Forrester likes to go deep and get it and spray things around. And but um, I'd be happy enough to let them do that. Yeah, I think that that'll suit us better. And um, two centre-halves, I mean, I suppose we're hoping Gary Buckley will be back, but um, I mean, I don't know, I haven't heard anything, but uh, I think... I'd, I don't know, I'd say if it was, um, if the games were the other way around this weekend, if you had Derry first on Friday and Pats on Monday, um, you might see him in the Pats game, obviously, for two, for the different re- two reasons, that the Pats is their closest rival, so... Be more likely to, to want him for that game, but Derry on the Astro as well. Yeah, he's obviously probably won't be risk. So I'd say too too much of an injury risk on the surface. That's what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, and I would. I don't know Friday if it's if it'll be too soon for him or not. So I don't. Do we know? know. Like is it a hamstring? If you don't, yeah, hamstring strain. Hamstring strain, yeah. Yeah, so it's not it's not major, but it's just it's he's got to be protected, I suppose. He's in his he's in his third week of it, so yeah. and it's usually a three week injury, but it's just. Friday is just coming too soon for. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, are we going to? Uh, will we go into predictions? Mm. Look, Prediction. you you go first. Oh, I was when you were saying that. I was saying, don't don't go to me. Don't go to me. Um, uh, I'll go. Oh fuck it, two one us sure. Why not? <laughs> I mean, what's you know, we don't get anything far anyway, so two on us. Who's uh, who's scoring your goals? Oh, Jesus, more than um, rifle winning in, like rifle winning and uh, Romeo and um, Romeo, Romeo and Jordan. Oh, Jordan, yeah, way to pass, Romeo and Jordan. Yes, that's right, yeah. yeah. Um, Don, are you expecting uh, Jordan to turn it on against his old, his old club? Like I think so. He definitely turned it on in the home home game. Um, I'd say we sneak a one nil. Yeah, uh, Jerry, will we maintain? I mean sneak it. Will we maintain a clean sheet, uh, Jerry? No. Oh. Um, I'd say two nil pots. Oh Jesus Christ! What is wrong with you? <laughs> You're on it tonight, boy. I tell you that. Sam's winning the league last week. Fucking pass beating us this week. Uh, I'm usually right though. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Except for except for when you're wrong. <laughs> you know me, go, I'm never wrong. <laughs> uh, I might not always be right, but I'm never wrong. So inexperience in the back is that the is that the issue, Jerry? Not inexperience, um, but just lack of lack of t- of time playing together and just a little bit of a shake up. Or no, um, I just hope that we go uh, like what I was saying earlier on, and just go and have. The, the will to win and you know just let's let's just try and grind it out you know let's get back to basics let's just try and grind it out 
let's go toe to toe with them. Let's push them back. Rather than us. That's not a Liam Buckley team, though, is it? I don't care. This is my team. No, but I'd be, I'd be expecting. I like Jerry, though. I'd be expecting. This is what I want. I'd be, I'd be expecting a reaction after last week, though. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be expecting. Like after last week, it was a great opportunity. After Shams losing on the Friday night, the opportunity was there for us to go three points clear at the top of the table, and we didn't take it. So I'd imagine there to be a, been a few harsh words said afterwards for lads to be. Uh, pissed off and annoyed and uh, all week and to be chomping at the base to get back out into the field to show uh, how good they are and to put things right so I would be expecting us like that a statement of performance is what you're talking about really well not a statement of performance like, because as Jerry said it should be a given that you come in with the attitude and application and the fight and will to win like that should be that should be a given but I expect it all to be there right from the start this week yeah. in both in both games and uh, there's not a lot we can say then about the, the, the game away in the Brandywell. Um, you know, you touched the McGowie shite surface. And, um, well, not a shite surface, but not a nice surface to play it on. Um, Their home form is shite. Is it? I haven't really looked at that. So you'd be looking to capitalise on that. I suppose, lads, I suppose, lads, look, at the end of the day, if we have realistic ambitions of a mountain and Titan challenge, you can't just go to pieces when one player is out. You need to go and get a minimum, a minimum of one point a pass. And you need to go and beat Derry. If you have any realistic ambitions of, of mounting a title challenge. Four points now, I think, next two is massive. Yeah, I think it's beyond us to be honest. And I've said that from the start. But at the same time too, if you want to have a realistic European uh, tilt, you need to go and take four points as well. Because everybody is starting to gain ground. Everybody is starting to get their, their stuff together. You can see Bo's coming. Uh, who knows with Dundalk? You just don't know. Uh, you can see, I'm not saying Waterford are going to get anywhere near it, but you can see that they're, you know what? On, they've on, improved. On Waterford, um, what's his name, the new manager from QPR? Uh, like, Mark Bertram. Do you know what he, like he's a world away from the previous two managers that have been in there. I know he's on coming in, I was talking the back of a win, but he seems really positive. Like um, the other two, were like, you know, they were just the most depressing, non-inspiring um, set of managers. Yeah, he's probably a breath of fresh air for the one. Oh yeah, like he's a character. He, yeah, I but mean, he was interesting as well. He's not, he's not there to take the piss like the rest of them were. No, like he used, he used the break as a preseason. They didn't take a break. Yeah. They, yeah. they came in and done preseason training throughout that and trying to lay down a few basics, you know, to, to get a foundation to build off. And he's, and he's been dead honest and he says there'll be a clear up in July and he's getting a new players as well. Yeah, and like he's got all the spiel about, um, you know, the clobber that he's wearing and all that, deflecting away from the players, taking all pressure off them, you know. I, I kind of, I just got a really good feeling about him when I seen him talking after after um, the result there the other night um, against the dock. Like, and all the kind of bad press that said, oh, this, people were saying he's another joker coming into the league. Maybe he will be. I don't know, but I just I was impressed in what I saw briefly of him, and I thought, um, as you said, Sean, he's he's straight up, and he's he's looks like the kind of fellow who's brave enough to take a bit of flack, and you wouldn't know how things go down there, you know. Well, as he was brave enough to take the captaincy off Barry, uh, Murphy as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Murphy's still in goal. He didn't piss off, yeah. him, you know. Um, well, I suppose going back to what I was saying though is that there's going to be a lot of twists and turns. Uh, teams are improving. Um, and we don't want to be going the other way. Well, there's no doubt you about have it. To keep, 
you have to keep a consistency about you. Yeah, yeah. You can't go on. You can't go on losing runs or anything like that. You're like you can't go to Pats and lose and then maybe yeah, yeah. take a point yeah. in Surrey. That's a really slippery road to go down. Yeah. You have to be consistent and you have to. If you lose, you have to continually bounce back with a decent result. Yeah, and, but you, we need to have bodies in in order to maintain that. You know. Yeah. We need to be able to mix it up a little bit. And um, listen, I think, you know, just going back to the bringing players in, I think it's an absolute minefield and it's so tricky because you're never, you know, there's no, from a striker point of view, there's nobody in the league who you're going to go and take. You can't get hold, but he's not available. Um, there's no obvious choice. I know there's been talk about looking up the north or whatever, but the whole thing is a gamble. Um, so I think they're in a real sticky situation in relation to strikers, but we definitely bodies in because if this thing, you know, this this is, as a minimum, I don't expect us to win any leagues this year, but I think I do expect us to qualify for Europe again. I think that's an yeah. absolute must um, because, you know, not through no, through no fault of anybody, but we kind of let these things slip in the past. You know, we didn't qualify for Europe when there was a big jump up in the in the European money. And here we are again. The, the money is good in Europe, so we have to be there. And if we have ambitions about developing the stadium, this kind of goes hand in hand with it, you know. I don't know, lads, is there much we can say about Derry really um, at this remove? Not a huge amount. We need, we need to go and get three points. Simple as that. No excuses. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'd agree with Jerry as well. I think that is a game you have to be going to win. Yeah, but like you said, Sean, if we get a, if we get a win in, in uh, Richmond, I'm happy with a draw on Derry. Oh, yeah. If you can take four four points. points. Yeah. yeah. If you can take the four points from those two games, we've, we've bounced back brilliantly. Yeah. But that's not to say if we beat Pats that we go with the attitude of points is okay in there. Oh, no, no, no. You know, and I know you're not saying that. Yeah, no. Oh, Jesus, if we get the six, that's amazing altogether. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's look, it's up to the players, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, anything else that we need to cover before we finish up? No, it's like we'll be on again at 10 o'clock on, on uh, Friday, Friday. Friday night, sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So hopefully, uh, last last week's show was a bit of a shit show, to be honest with you. Uh, I think we we're all depressed, tired, fucking angsty. But uh, so hopefully we'll have. And it's not that we we lost the game. I think look, we don't mind losing games. We're slow rovers. We're well used to losing games. It's just sometimes the manner in which we lose is is more frustrating than anything else. So you know, hopefully we'll have good performance to talk about. And uh, yeah, see you all at ten o'clock on Friday night. Listen uh, to everybody. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. This is uh, the thirtieth show of the podcast, and um, we're um, we're delighted that we're still plugging away at it. Uh, thanks again to our both our sponsors, actually, to uh, the White Hype Brewing Company, and also to Barry Creed's listeners in Sligo and Dublin. Uh, thanks a million for their support. Um, as I'd said, get your thoughts uh, after both the Pats and game, Pats and Derry game into podcast at borst.ie. We'll play them out in the shed, the shed end next week. And uh, the last thing that I wanted to say is don't forget about getting your uh, beer scorecasts in ahead of the Pats game. Um, on the back of that, well done, lads. This is uh, 30 episodes, so fair play to you as well. Uh, fair play to all of us, I suppose. And um, here's, to, uh, here's to talking to you with either four or six points in the bag next week. Thanks. Oh, wait, hold on. Just, just before, sorry, breaking... Breaking LOI news just Andre Wright has signed for Rovers. <laughs> <laughs> Andre Wright's in Dunard's living room. <laughs> Dundalk FC can confirm that Vinnie Pert has returned to Oriel Park as head coach. Do we, do we, do we think that'll have any bearing on their form? I think it's probably the best thing they could do and I'm disappointed that they haven't got Jim McGuinness in for our sake and everybody's <laughs> entertainment. Yeah. And just, just one other thing, Connor, just towards the end, just to come in at the end there. 
Uh, this is a bit of Red Supporters Trust podcast, right? There's absolutely nothing got to do with Sligo Rovers whatsoever. So all complaints, queries, whatever, send them to us. Don't send them to the club because they're getting yep. whatever with us. And uh, yeah, that's it. Well, if you do have any issues or any any comments, thoughts, or anything about the podcast, uh, again, you can use that email address, podcast at BORST. Um, we're happy to receive all uh, thoughts, uh, criticisms, uh, comments, and you know, if you have any ideas on what we should be doing or what you like and what you don't like, uh, get it in. Okay, on the back of that, thanks a million, Sean. Thank you. Cheers, Magoo. Cheers, boys. And Jerry O'Connor, thanks to you. Cheers, lads. And thanks for listening. Yeah.